Welcome, welcome my friends to the Beggars and Brawlers podcast. This is episode number 27, recorded September the 2nd of 2021, as I'm finally winding down this fruit season. Um, I have a chapter of the Dragon Bard for you today, and also a burning question. Why does the world like a racist loser? So it's the late fruit season, and that can mean only one thing, extreme senioritis. I've been selling fruit, I've been selling cherries, peaches, pears, apples, you name it. I've been on the road for four months now, and the end is in sight. I don't think there'll be more fruit after I'm done with this load, and my family's waiting for me. We've got a vacation planned, and I just have to get through these last days of selling fruit. It's like the last thing that I want to do. (laughs) So I've got some senioritis hard. I'm like that kid who just knows if I stick this out for another month, I'm going to graduate and then the world is my oyster. That's how I feel every year at the end of fruit season. And this year is no different. Along with that feeling of being so done is me kind of not caring about anything other than just getting to the fruit stand and getting this fruit to disappear. So full disclosure, I have not written much on the Dragon Bard. I do have a new chapter for you, but I've had that one in the can for a while. I've just kind of been binging things on Netflix, not even reading that much. I don't know. Maybe you've been here before. It's funny that this is the episode in which I admit that because I'm kind of going to be talking about a character similar to me, but in an even worse spot. So that question that I started with, why does the world like a racist loser, comes from the Netflix show Cobra Kai. I don't know if you've watched Cobra Kai, but it's this uh, this remake, not a remake, but a restart of the Karate Kid franchise from the 80s, um, and it's really good. I was started watching it on the recommendation of a writer friend of mine, M.L. Wong, and uh, I really like it. It's, it's so good that the first few episodes after they were done, I took notes, which is a habit of mine these days, on what was working for it, what I liked about it, trying to glean whatever little pieces of information I can from it that I can use for my own stories. It's also something I did with Black Widow, another way that I've been spending my free time in these waning days. I've been to see Black Widow twice in the last two days. I didn't get to see it all summer. Um, And I think it's a really good movie. So the second time I went home and like a good little story nerd, I took notes on it. So anyway, my notes on uh, Cobra Kai on episode one, has came up with this really interesting question. And so this podcast is going to have kind of mild spoilers for it, but really only for season one, episode one. So uh, it'll take you 20 minutes to get up to speed if you want to get up to speed. And if you don't, it really isn't spoiling the rest of the episode or the rest of the season or show for you because I'm just talking about this guy's character and it's obvious in the first minute that you watch him. (laughs) So there's basically only one character in this first episode and he's a racist loser. Actually, Johnny Lawrence is much worse than that. In the first episode, he's racist. He's a misogynist. When I say he's a loser, I mean, not only does he have a bad life, but he has no motivation to change it. He just kind of feels stuck and angry and powerless and unmotivated. And he beats up a group of kids and he's mean to literally everyone he talks to, including this really nice kid who's kind of obviously a plant for the rest of the season. And Johnny's the only character in this one. We don't switch to somebody else that we'd like more. We don't find someone who's a hero to balance his evilness 
his villainness. It's just him. It's just this motivationless, racist loser. <laughs> so my question is, why did anybody get to episode two? Why did I get to episode two? Why would we keep watching this guy who's just a, you know, piece of So after I took those notes and asked that question, obviously, I started thinking about answers. The first one that came up with is that some people just like the franchise. They watch the Karate Kid movies. They think it's cool that the same actors are back in this one, and they just want to see where it goes. But that was not me. I have not seen them, and I don't really have any connection to that old movie, even though, you know, like parts of it have entered our uh, social lexicon. So I asked my friend who'd recommended this, what kept her going through it? And uh, she's in the martial arts world. And she said that it's just cathartic to laugh at these unstable, washed up sports heroes that everyone sees in an American dojo, I guess, um, who used to be really good at something and now just kind of suck, but they have this big ego and maybe they've taken too many hits to the head. So they're a little bit disconnected from reality. And something about laughing at that person because it's never safe to in real life was very cathartic for them. And that makes sense to me. But again, that wasn't me. And I kept watching. So it had to be something else. And part of me wanted to say, okay, the writing was just good. The dialogue was good, even though he doesn't really get anywhere until the very end of it. Uh, The action was good. Despite the fact that the character is despicable, as a writer, I was just taken in by how well it was written. And that could be true. It is well written. I think that seasons two and three are not as well written, but the first one, and especially these first few episodes, is just polished to a high gloss. And there's no denying that even as we're watching this despicable character, we're really drawn in by some of the humor and some of the interactions that he has. There's lots of emotion in there. It's just all the emotions of a loser. Um, But I think this is kind of an easy way out is just to say the writing is good. What I'm actually asking here is what about the writing is good? What drew me in? So I'm not going with a cop-out answer. One of the first solutions that I thought of is this thing I learned quite a while ago from my teacher in all things fantastical and fictional, Brandon Sanderson, who has this theory that we like characters based on sympathy, proactivity, and competence. And this is something that's made a lot of sense to me. So what that means basically is if uh, we like a character because they're sympathetic, maybe we see them do something good. There's this famous book called Save the Cat by Blake Schneider in which he says, if you want the audience to like your character, have them do something good right away. You know, like literally have them save a cat from a tree. Or I had a character hand money to a beggar in the first chapter of my science fiction novel, Ache, because nobody liked the character. And like magic, all the readers afterwards said, I just think he has like the potential for good. (laughs) And all I did was slap in that one scene. So if you see them do something good and you know they have the promise of being a good person, you'll stick with them and care about them. We don't see that from Johnny Lawrence. He does nothing nice or good in this whole thing. (laughs) He doesn't even beat up the kids when they're beating up this other kid until they touch his car, and then he gets pissed because of his car. So sympathetic, no. Um, Proactivity is another one that Sanderson talks about, that even if we don't really like them, if we see them being really driven towards a goal, that's something that's fascinating. You know, they can be trying so hard at something. So somebody who isn't necessarily sympathetic but proactive Uh, I think of Frank Underwood from House of Cards, if you've seen that show. He's so driven to get to the top of the political hierarchy. He's obviously despicable. He doesn't save a cat in the beginning of episode one. He kills a dog 
because he wants to put it out of his misery. We dislike him from moment one, but we're so caught up in his drive that we want to keep watching him. And he's a good example, too, of competence, this third one that Sanderson talks about. And this is kind of MacGyver, too. Like, MacGyver and James Bond are sort of blank characters. Like, nobody really cares who they are, and they don't have much internal conflict. That part's not interesting. But they're so good at their jobs that we love watching to see how they're going to pull off whatever they're trying to pull off. And Frank Underwood is like that, too. He's trying to be president when he is, like, a despicable politician. And each season he gets closer to that, we're so interested to see how he's going to pull it off. Um, that we keep watching. So I think Sanderson's idea makes a lot of sense to me. If a character is sympathetic or proactive or competent, we'll care about them and be hooked on their story, even if maybe they don't have all the elements. And then he says, you know, like you can ramp up those other elements as the story goes on or ramp them down if you want people to start disliking someone as they're turning into a villain, etc. But when I think about Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai Season 1, Episode 1, he is not sympathetic. He has a tormented past, but it's the tormented past about which he's just being a sore loser. So that's not very sympathetic. And he drinks and drives on his way to have this dark night of the soul. So no, not sympathetic. Proactive. At the end, he takes a turn for proactivity. And to me, that was a really strong hook. And it made me really want to keep watching the show. But it was so strong in part because he's been the opposite of proactive this whole time. He's in a job he's not trying very hard at. When he loses it, he doesn't try very hard to get it back. He just says, like, F you, man, I'm done anyway. And, yeah, he does nothing to better his situation, even though he lives in a dive and is an alcoholic, etc. So not proactive and competent. When he beats the kids up, <laughs> we do see that he's better at karate than a bunch of random kids. But that's not really saying much. And it's in such an unsympathetic situation anyway. And then he gets caught at the end because he's already drunk. So no, he doesn't come off as particularly competent even. So Sanderson's theories of why I would care about a character also fail. So I went back to the drawing board again. Why do we like this racist loser? Maybe Sanderson needs a fourth category, which is loserdom. Maybe... We can all identify with a loser. We all have sympathy for someone who really has no sympathetic traits because we all have been there or we all at least feel like we've been there. We've been that loser that nobody cares about. Um, and that's a kind of built-in sympathy. This is a theory that I have. I don't know if I'll ever test it because it's a bold move, but I do think that maybe when someone's in a bad spot, even if they're despicable, we're still going to have sympathy for them. But I think more than that, the answer that I came up with, and this is not the right answer, this is just what I've come to understand about why I kept watching this show, because none of the other answers applied to me, is that a story is a promise that things are going to change, and this guy is such a loser that we just can't believe that anyone could stay a loser that long. And to be fair, in season one at least, they really draw out him still having those loser qualities except for the proactivity. He gets proactive, but he's still racist and he's still mean and uh, still has really bad ideas about the world. <laughs> and we still watch him. So maybe it's just because he's proactive. But in that first one, because they were focusing on him so much, I just knew he couldn't stay this much of a loser the whole time. I think I was just really curious about where are they going to go with him? What can you do with this character who's burned all his bridges? What can he possibly do 
to turn things around. And he does show some proactivity in his final move, or he shows some competence in his final move towards proactivity in how he turns around this insulting uh, meeting that he's had with his stepdad after he gets out of prison for assaulting those kids, etc. He shows some real talent there too. So that might be part of what drew me in. But mostly I think it was the proactivity. I think I kept watching just because I was like, there's a reason they're showing me this guy, even though he's such a piece of <laughs> and uh you know what it was true and in later seasons he actually starts to have some deep changes as a character even if they come slow and he goes backwards and all of those things so anyway that's what i landed on that's why i think we like watching a racist loser but if you've seen the show i'm curious what you think about it because honestly like we all should have hit stop after five minutes and we didn't they have three seasons now. Who knows if they'll have more? This thing is popular. And everybody got through that first heavily loser episode, <laughs> which is funny because later on they start to talk about how there are no losers in this dojo. Anyways, as promised, um, I have some more fiction for you of the audio format. I did write another chapter of The Dragon Bard, despite my senioritis. I'm not going to read the whole thing for you here. But uh, I'll give you a little taste of it, and there are links to the full text and all the other chapters, uh, four of them now, uh, in the links to the podcast. You can find that there. Um, I do think I'll make a full audio version of it once the book is written and once uh, I've worked out all the kinks. But for right now, that is such an investment of time that I don't think it makes sense until the words themselves are in the best form they'll be in. But for just giving you a little taste on a podcast, yeah, I think I can do that. All right, so here we have chapter four of The Dragon Bar. Chapter four. Makina pushed through the scaled curtain, night air fresh on her face after the stale heat of the hut and its dragons. Above, the celestial rings arced across the sky, casting a pale, silvery light over the gardens and stables, and the patiently unwinding spindle, driving the lull now that the wind had died. Makina took a deep breath, willing her heart to settle from her talk with Alamog. Long breath in, long breath out, long pause between, the cadence of calm. Good for long waits, decision-making, and masking emotions in confrontation, she could still hear a Uter Howitt saying. Also, ambushes. To her left, the nesting mare gave a low trumpet, and Makina noticed a fresh trail of cooling lava leading from the far side of the cavern into the iron brood pen. She should have noticed that right away. Shouldn't have been rattled at all. She was getting rusty. Long breath in, long out, long pause. Another hatchling born. Good. She would check on it once she'd settled. For now, she let the long breaths guide her backwards, like she'd been taught tracing her emotions like lines of lava back to the holes from which they'd come, abandoning those that led only to rock, following those that stayed hot down into the magma. All right, I think I'll leave it right there. Um, there's a lot more to that chapter, but yeah, there's a little taste of it for you. Go read it. Um, I'll have another chapter for you next week. Hopefully, if the senioritis doesn't get to me even harder than it has, <laughs> hopefully I'll be done with fruit and that writing desire will pop back. But for now, 
I'm going to get back to binging Cobra Kai and patiently awaiting the end of this long, long fruit season so I can see my kids. Um, kind of like Johnny Lawrence, <laughs> I don't think the fruit season can possibly stay this bad for this long. So I'm just going to stick it out and have a little bit of sympathy <laughs> for the end of the fruit season. Anyway, I hope this podcast finds you well and in the company of good books. Till next time, my friends, read on. For more information on Levi Jacobs and his books, including the award-winning Tide Collar Chronicles, please visit www.levijacobs.com. Or for a free audiobook, only available to podcast listeners, go to www.levijacobs.com slash free. Thanks for listening and read on. Thank you.